Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. On this special edition of Detroit Today, we'll talk about unemployment and the moves to make sure that people who've lost work aren't suffering so much during the coronavirus pandemic. We're going to have experts on hand to tell you how to navigate the various systems to find relief. And we want to hear from you about how this is playing out in your life. Have you lost work? Have you lost pay? How are you managing that? That's all next on Detroit Today. But first, the news from NPR. today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you have joined us. This is a special edition of Detroit Today, an added hour from 2 to 3 p.m. to address specific issues, specific questions that you, the listeners, have about unemployment, loss of wages, loss of jobs. The one part of the coronavirus pandemic that I think is perhaps one of the most difficult and most makes people the most vulnerable. We have been hearing from folks since this all started about the pain that they're experiencing as a result of the loss of their employment or the loss of wages. We've also been hearing from lots of people who are confused about the state and federal government efforts to be able to help people out. Uh, they have... Uh, of course, passed lots of legislation and funded lots of things that are supposed to make this easier for folks who've lost uh, their jobs or lost wages. But I just keep hearing lots of people say they can't navigate the system. They can't figure it out. They can't even get through in some cases to talk to somebody. So this hour, we are going to be joined by some officials and experts who will help with those questions. You're going to want to stick around for those. We're going to be talking about expanded eligibility for unemployment and the flood of applications that are coming into the state. Uh, we're going to have the head of the state's Workforce and Economic Development Agency here with us, Jeff Donofrio. He is overseeing unemployment. Uh, he's going to answer all of your questions about applying for those benefits and how the state is handling all of these requests. But first up, thousands of people in Southeast Michigan who are eligible to get a stimulus check might miss out on it as well. That's if they don't act soon. Low-income and homeless people are least likely to get those checks, as well as people who don't have bank accounts. Afton Branch is with Poverty Solutions at the University of Michigan, and she tells Detroit Today senior producer Jake Neer what people need to do to make sure they get those checks. Because the stimulus payments are, are coming through the tax system, uh, those who have no income or low income don't normally file taxes, so they're at risk of missing out. Um, and, you know, of course, these are the residents who, who experience these financial hardships in regular time. So there's a real urgency to make sure that uh, these folks with low incomes get these checks. Um, but they do qualify. Residents, you know, don't need income to get these payments, which is really important for, for everybody to know. And we're also concerned about folks who, who filed their taxes this year or last year, but they may not have bank accounts on file. So the IRS can only cut so many checks a week, meaning that these people might have to wait until August to get their checks. And that's folks who might not have bank accounts, which from some of our research indicates about 25% of Detroiters don't have bank accounts. And these are really the folks who could use the stimulus fund you know, sooner rather than later. You know, we want everyone who's eligible to get these payments. And so we created a website to break it all down and answer some common questions about the stimulus. And so that's poverty.umich.edu front slash stimulus dash checks. And something that uh, you're trying to get out there as well is that this does not count against benefits that people might otherwise be getting if they do get these stimulus checks, correct? That's right. So the stimulus checks are, are not income. So they're not going to count against your food stamps, your housing subsidies, your unemployment benefits, anything like that. They're, they're processed as a tax credit. So Folks shouldn't be worried about anything happening to their benefits if they do get these checks. So which populations are you most concerned about in terms of people missing 
out on this opportunity to get their stimulus check. Which populations uh, might be most affected by this? Uh, Who are you most concerned about? Yeah, we're really worried about folks who don't normally file their taxes. Um, And these days, a lot of the ways that Detroiters get information are shut down. So there aren't community meetings. Uh, You're not able to talk to your neighbors to get information from them. So folks who may not be connected to regular information networks and don't file their taxes, they may not know that they have to take an action to get these stimulus checks. So, you know, the message to them is to to go to the IRS website and and enter their payment information in the non-filer section. That way the IRS knows where to send uh, their stimulus payment. In terms of economic well-being, we're also really concerned about individuals who, you know, the stimulus leaves out, which is undocumented families and families who have Know, dependents over the age of 17 uh, who are not eligible for these checks. But the good news is that there's a lot of really phenomenal nonprofit organizations and mutual aid groups who've stepped up to help these residents, you know, stay afloat during during the pandemic. Uh, and so we hope that folks contribute to these causes um, and they can find that information uh, on our website as well. When it comes to communicating this, I'm curious uh, what your what you think needs to happen on a broad scale to make sure that people get this information. Uh, you know, the the groups that you're talking about are uh, some of the hardest to reach in some ways. Uh, you know, what what mm-hmm. is, what is being done to make sure that that information is getting out there and available to as many Detroiters and and other people, other Michiganders, as possible. So we've been, uh, we have a website and we've been sharing that information with community organizations, government officials, anyone that we know is connected to Michiganders and Detroiters. Uh, We're also talking to folks like you, the media, and really, you know, we hope that every individual will will share this information with people that they know. You know, if they know their cousin or their aunt doesn't normally file taxes, sharing this information with them on what to do. Or even just asking folks, hey, have you, do you have a plan to get your check? Have you gotten it yet? What's going on? I think we can really uh, deputize each other to be information sharers uh, of, of this information at, at this time. You know, I just had a conversation today with someone who says that they've actually already gotten their stimulus check. Um, you know, is, do you think that there's a question that people might have if those checks are already being sent out? Is it too late for me to take these actions? Talk about the timing of that and how long people actually do have to take action to make sure they get a check? Great question. So if you've already filed your taxes this year, you don't have to do anything else. The the check will be coming to you. Um, Now, if you uh, filed last year, same thing. Uh, The one unfortunate thing about the system is that if you file taxes this year, but you put a bank account that you you don't want your stimulus payment to go to, unfortunately, you're not able to change that. You kind of have to sit tight and let the IRS uh, send the payment to, to where you, you put on your return. Um, but for those who are not filers, they, they still have time to add their payment information to the website. So I definitely urge people to do that sooner rather than later so that they don't have to wait for the IRS. And, and talk a little bit more specifically about people who don't have an address, whether they're homeless or if they're mm-hmm. um, maybe displaced in some way, especially during this pandemic, uh, you know, maybe in a non-traditional housing arrangement. Talk about the extra challenges uh, that they might face and how they can sort of overcome that to make sure they get their check as well. Yeah. So if you if you don't typically have an address, um, you, you might not be a tax filer. Um, for folks, individuals whose incomes are below $12,000 a year, you don't have to file taxes. So those are the non-filers that we really want to get this information to, uh, you know, which is to go on the IRS website and enter your payment information. Um, the good news is that you don't have to have a bank account. You, If you have a prepaid debit card, you can add that information to the IRS website and get your stimulus payment that way. But, you know, we're really making sure that service providers know this information so that if their clients come to them asking you know, about their stimulus checks, the service providers are also equipped with this information. Um, I think trusted sources are, are really the best ways to get information about your taxes and, and your money, you know, sensitive information out to people. So we want to make sure that uh, folks who are serving the homeless or people who might be housing unstable um, have this information too. Afton Branch is Strategic Project Manager at the Detroit Partnership on Economic Mobility at the University of Michigan's Poverty Solutions. She spoke with Detroit Today senior producer Jake Neer. You can find more information and links to resources at WDET.org. 
Coming up next, the head of Michigan's Workforce Agency is going to answer all your questions about applying for unemployment and how the state is handling the flood of people who are seeking jobless benefits. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones, 313-577-1019, to get your questions answered about unemployment and unemployment benefits here in the Detroit and Michigan area. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Economists say Michigan is now at depression-level unemployment. One million people are now jobless thanks to the coronavirus pandemic. To help these folks, Congress passed a massive stimulus and expanded unemployment benefits bill to help self-employed and gig economy workers, among others. That has meant an unprecedented unprecedented surge of jobless claims and jobless applications. And we are hearing from you, it seems, each day here on Detroit Today about all of those issues. That is, of course, challenging the state's unemployment agency's ability to handle that volume. When eligibility opened up for those workers previously unable to get benefits, the state's unemployment website crashed under the weight of all of the people hoping to take advantage. Here to talk about what people need to know about applying and how the process is going is Jeff Donofrio. He is the director of the State Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity, which oversees unemployment here in Michigan. Jeff, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Yeah. So let's talk about up front who can get unemployed, unemployment benefits and what has changed since Congress passed this stimulus bill. Yeah, let me, uh, Stephen, if you don't mind, I, I want to talk a little bit about um, what the department does, right? We really have three priorities during this pandemic. The first is really to flatten the curve of transmission, right, to help drive down the number of, of those infected. The second is to, to plan for the reopening and, and recovery that's going to happen in our economy. And that third is really to provide the emergency relief and protections for people and businesses that unemployment represents amongst a number of others. You know, and the department took, I think, some pretty quick action to make sure that, you know, we had eviction and tax foreclosure moratoriums in place so that people weren't, you know, kicked out of their home. That we expanded, expended uh, $20 million in small business support pretty quickly. That we expanded workers' compensation to cover first responders and healthcare uh, workers. So if they got sick because of COVID-19 on the job, that they had paid time off and that they, they made sure that they had wage replacement. And if, God forbid, they passed away, their families were supported uh, with some benefits. And then, of course, you know, the governor did a couple of things to expand unemployment benefits. And then the CARES Act uh, kicked in, which expanded it even further. So, as you mentioned, right, we've had over a million claims, which is about a quarter of our adult workforce um, who are now applying for unemployment benefits. We're not alone in that, right? Other states like California, Pennsylvania, New York have seen you know, just as high or higher numbers, but we are the highest percentage of the population that has applied. No system uh, under the sun has been uh, designed to handle this. Mm. But, you know, the good news is we've paid about $823 million out so far to about 765,000 Michiganders. And then next week, we'll have another 300,000 Michiganders who are going to receive their benefits for the first time. And we know that that's, you know, while that's good, what worries us and what keeps us up at night, what keeps us working around the clock are the individuals who are out there who haven't been helped, right? Mm -hmm. Those who are frustrated, those who, who need some sort of personal attention mm -hmm. to get their claim filed. And, you know, we're not going to rest until everybody gets that, that benefit. So, so, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, go ahead and finish. I was going to say, just under the CARES Act, you know, you have a few people who are really eligible now. You've got, you know, uh, all those folks who were laid off previously, right, and who were paying into the system as, as regular employees of a, um, you know, of a company uh, or some, some other entity, they're eligible, of course. But then those who are 1099 employees, those who are independent contractors, those who are self-employed, 
um, or who may not have had enough wage benefits to qualify previously, right? They worked a job that was very low wage or they had a very short work history. They're all eligible now. Hmm. And everybody on the system is eligible to receive the $600 extra in weekly payments that the federal government's expanding. And then the up to 39 weeks that the federal government uh, has, has provided in benefits. Hmm. So, so uh, this, uh, this crush of people includes uh, new people who, who, of course, have never had to think about unemployment and, and, right. and these kind of benefits. What are you telling people now who say that they're just having a hard time getting through and, and that they don't understand the system? Uh, they're not even able to, to talk to somebody about what, right. they, what they might be able to get or what relief is, is available for them. You know, so we, we are trying um, in every possible uh, forum and venue and way of communication. Um, we've, you know, posted online videos. Um, you know, we've gone and held, I think, something like 40 town halls across the state. You know, I participated in quite a few of those. Um, you know, we're answering questions online. Um, but we know, you know, there's just so many people who the individual concerns, it's, it's going to be tough to get to. But what we've done to add capacity and staff, so we have transferred individuals from other departments into taking calls on unemployment. We have retrained people within our department to be, you know, working on customer issues and, and complaints. Um, so we've, we've added hundreds and hundreds of new staff. We, we started out, you know, uh, a week before the pandemic hit, our average uh, number of claims was 5,000. You know, the high that we've seen in this pandemic is 388,000. So you can imagine that, you know, the, the number of people we had initially on the phones, not enough. The number of people initially dealing with folks, not enough. So we're hiring all these new people, plus we've got more people in the pipeline. So we know it's, it's tough to get through sometimes. We're asking you to be patient. But the easiest way to file, the easiest way to get us information is at that michigan.gov slash UIA website. Mm -hmm. uh, again, we had you, we asked you to be here so that you could answer our listeners' questions, questions that we have been getting a lot on sure. the air. And, of course, we've got a long queue right now of folks who really want to get uh, some, some personal questions answered. So I'm going to get to the, I'm going to get to the phones. But, Jeff, I really do appreciate you taking the time uh, to be here to, to give our listeners uh, this access. Let's start with Scott in Detroit. Scott, welcome to Detroit yeah. Today. Hi, thank you. I appreciate you uh, taking my call, and thank you, Jeff, for being here as well. Um, my situation, I'm I'm pretty sure, uh, is unusual, and but probably not unique. Um, I was uh, laid off, of course, due to COVID, uh, middle of March, and uh, filed for unemployment. I uh, was able to go so far in the process to get a claim number, uh, entered in all my bank information, et cetera, et cetera. Um, have a profile, all that information is great and correct. Unfortunately, when I entered in my authentication or authentication uh, information, I mistakenly added, instead of 313, a 312 area code. And so as a result, I've been, been unable to go beyond the moat that you have for authentication, which... By the way, that moat protects everyone, of course, but it stops me from doing anything, changing, oh, no. talking to anyone, uh, changing any information, and then, of course, completing my claim. Oh, no. Um, and so I've, I've called literally thousands and thousands of times over the last three weeks, uh, hoping to speak with anyone to try and rectify this. I went as far as to try and um, purchase the phone number, 312, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so it would um, really be your phone number. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, no. So that, that way they would send that authentication code to that other phone number. And uh, good folks at the carrier I have, um, they found it. They said, oh, it's available, but it's actually floating somewhere in the ether. And it, oh, that one goodness. actually turned out to be a dead oh, end goodness. as well. Scott, so uh, I'm, I'm in a situation where I, I, aside from just continually banging my head on the wall and calling, I'm not really, I, if there was just an email yeah. that allowed me to somehow circumnavigate 
the system for this scenario. Scott, let me, hit, yeah, sorry. let me get, uh, let me get Jeff in here because we do have limited time with Jeff. But, but I think I understand the nature of your of your issue, Jeff. What what should he do? Yeah, you know, so Scott, that I can understand how how frustrating that is, um, and. You know, we, we, we know that a lot of people, particularly those who are filing for the first time and maybe aren't comfortable um, with the, the software and uh, the website, you know, have potentially been locked out of their accounts or uh, they've had issues with, um, you know, entering in a wrong number or something like that. We set up a dedicated IT team uh, of 100 people um, who are dealing with those issues. Um, what I would suggest is that uh, if you go back on, onto your account, um, there will be a prompt uh, that says, you know, if you're having IT issues, you can submit this through a web form. And that goes directly to our IT team who will then be able to, uh, to figure that out. Um, that's a, a new um, uh, item we put in this week. And then if, if that doesn't work for some reason, there's a, uh, a place where you can put on the website a web inquiry. And so if you just type in that information and let us know uh, through MyWAM what the, the problem you're having is, um, we'll address that just so you know. Um, you know, obviously the volumes are so high that we're getting on the phones and in these inquiries. So uh, we just ask you to be patient as we work through that. Um, you're not, your, your benefits are not going to be affected at all in terms of the number you'll get, the amount you will get. We will backdate that to the day that you actually um, uh, were unemployed. Mm -hmm. uh, that's very helpful. Thanks very much, Jeff, for explaining that. And Scott, good luck. Thank you. We hope, yeah. uh, we hope you're able to to work that out. Let's go to David in Gross Point Park. David, welcome to the show. Yes. Hey, Hi. How are you? Um, first, uh, 1099 for the first three quarters of last year and W-2 for the last quarter and the of last year and for the first quarter of this year. I was laid off February 12th. I filed for unemployment and I don't qualify. Um, I've appealed. I've tried refiling. Nothing happened. Is there anything for me and my family? Hmm. David, that's a great question. Jeff, it sounds like what David's experiencing is that he lost work before the COVID pandemic caused people to lose work and that he may not yeah. be eligible because of his work history. Is there is is he no in a gap? No. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, go ahead. Yeah. And um, so, so David, um, you know, it's, it's probably that we don't have your W-2 information for the most recent quarter. So you were probably characterized as a 1099 employee, which up until this week, um, you know, the federal government hadn't given us authorization to pay. So what I suggest is you go back into um, your account, your MyWAM account. There should be a place there to file for Pandemic Unemployment Assistance, PUA. And it, it's right in the middle of the screen. There'll be a prompt. There'll be a message that says file for Pandemic Unemployment Assistance. So if you go there and, and you uh, just input the information, um, we're going to ask you a couple of questions. Uh, we're going to ask you probably to upload um, some sort of wage document to understand what the most recent uh, wages you had so that we can calculate your benefit appropriately. Then you'll be able to get in the system and we'll be able to process your benefit. Uh, David, uh, again, good luck, and we hope that that uh, all works out for you. Let's go to Liz in Garden City. Liz, welcome to Detroit today. Hi. Hey. I'll make it quick. Um, I think you've answered one of my questions. I was getting mixed messages on whether I needed to reapply because my, my situation is similar to that other gentleman. I didn't make enough wages, so they denied my claim. And first they told me I shouldn't reapply, and then I got an email that I should reapply to that PUA site. I couldn't get on to, I can't get on to my whim, no. I, I went on, and what I get directed to is a talent dashboard, State of Michigan target is what it says in the, the uh, upper thing, and a blue screen, that's all I got. And hmm. I tried in the middle of the night thinking it was like a, you know, an issue with traffic. Um, is there a separate account for that I can just log into my whim? I went through the my my Michigan or whatever the main website put in my user information mm -hmm. and and I don't get my whim yeah I, I, <laughs> yeah no that's a great question it sounds like a confusing issue Jeff Donofrio what's the answer for Liz 
Yeah, Liz, so so you uh, logged in. If you go to michigan.gov slash UIA, there is the, the place, and you, you click the employer, right? That's what you're getting the uh, the redirection from? Here, let me The employee? Yeah, I click as an employee. I log in yeah. as an employee. Is that what you mean? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, I logged and then, in, and I'd already yeah. set it up before. Okay. So that's that's where um, the prompt should come up for that email address if you're having trouble logging in, right? That uh, if, if it's not going to the right site uh, and you're having trouble logging in, um, what I would say is this. If, if for some reason you're not able to get onto your MyWAM account um, by doing that exact, uh, um, you know, clicking on michigan.gov slash UIA and the employee site uh, and the prompt is taking you somewhere else, um, that's when we're, you know, we want to try to reserve the phone lines for cases like this, mm-hmm. right? The 866-500-0017. Um, that's, I think, where, where we need to make sure that people who can go onto their site, uh, can get onto their account, um, are going to be able to be helped there. And so we keep those folks off the phone line, even if it's just to ask questions or ask for an update, so we can help people like you, Liz. Um, and maybe what we can do, and, and Stephen, I don't know if, if you have this ability, but can we get Liz's information just offline and we can try to follow up personally? Sure, absolutely. Um, Great. Liz, hold on, the, hold on the line and our producers will get your information and we'll make sure we get you connected with people who can, uh, who can help you out. Uh, Liz, Thank you so much. Just, hang on, just hang on the line there. Okay. Um, I'm going to go now to Linda on the east side. Linda, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, thank you for this opportunity to talk. I'm an employer, a nonprofit employer on the east side. We've registered for a work share program. We've been approved, but there are no instructions on how I'm supposed to proceed now. I don't know what my next steps are. I actually spent two hours on an online chat with Rocky, who tried valiantly to get me some help. There are no instructions. Hmm. I've also got two employees, one who's been with me 15 months and one who's been with me six months, both full-time employed, salaried employees, part of the WorkShare program, and they've been denied benefits, and there's no place for me to go to help them. Hmm. Um, that you know, those are those are frustrating issues, Linda. And I'm glad you called and shared them with our listeners, but also with Jeff, who may have some answers. Jeff Donofrio, what uh, what should Linda do? Yeah, the WorkShare program, right, is designed to help people who are uh, employed but have their hours reduced, right? And so, an employer signs an agreement with us. Um, that agreement uh, then. Um, uh, is, is put in place uh, to be able to pay someone their a subsidized wage of what they've lost. But then the nice thing about it right now is that they get the extra $600 of pandemic unemployment assistance uh, every week as well. So they stay employed. They get some extra funding uh, at least through the end of July. Um, so what you should do, uh, Linda, when you, when you log on or if you want to call that 866 number, 500 you can select the prompt that's uh, OEO, uh, it's uh, for the employers calling the agency, and there's, there's a separate line uh, that helps employers there. Um, so we'll try to make sure that, uh, that we get that process, the work share application. Of course, we're getting just you know, a, a large volume in addition to uh, the, the volumes we're seeing on the employee side. Um, but uh, we'll make sure to get your, your claim handled and uh, that you get your employees on work share as quickly as possible. For the full-time employees, Again, without knowing their, their specific uh, issues, what I would just say is go onto that website, um, and if, if they are eligible for pandemic unemployment assistance, which really anybody who is, it was employed and can't work because of the pandemic should be eligible now. Um, so if they go on, uh, they can either, if they've been denied, reapply and put their information in through that portal that they've already signed up to. If they haven't applied, they should go ahead and, and apply newly at the michigan.gov slash UIA website. I want to take one more call, Jeff Donofrio. I know you've, you've got to run soon, but I've got one more specific call for you. That I want to sure. make sure we get in here. Pete in Washington Township. Pete, what's on your mind? Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a non-essential self-employed person. I applied Tuesday, uh, my alphabet day, and all I have is an application number, a PUA number. Um, is that all I needed to do? Because 
uh, I wasn't just sure if there was something more and whether or not this was also tied to the uh, to that CARES thing through the federal government. Great question, Pete. Uh, Jeff Donofrio, what's the answer? Yeah, Pete, so you applied uh, on Tuesday, and so it takes us a couple of days just to process your claim. Uh, what I would do is just go back onto the website. Um, again, on that uh, regular day, you're scheduled to go back on, and uh, we're going to show you whether you were approved or not uh, right on the website. But it sounds like you're a non-essential employee, um, that you would be eligible uh, under the 1099 um, PUA. Well, I'm not a 1099 and W-2. I'm just self-employed. Oh, you're W-2. Okay. You know, so you're self-employed, then uh, then you would be eligible, though. Self-employed are eligible under the pandemic. Right, and it says April 20th, they'll review it, and be seven to ten days after that. So Right, so it sounds like you're, you're approved, Pete, and uh, the first payments for those who are newly approved will go out that April 20th. Very good. All righty. Thank you very much. Yeah, Pete. Have thanks. a great day. Yeah, Pete, thanks for calling in. Thank you. Bye. Okay, Jeff Donofrio, Director of the Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity here in the state of Michigan. It's really great to have you here to answer these questions for our listeners on Detroit Today. Thanks. Thanks, Stephen. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue talking about unemployment and taking your calls with Merrick Masters with Wayne State University's Mike Illich School of Business. He has been studying these issues really closely. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. As always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking this hour about the tremendous number of questions people have about unemployment. Unemployment benefits, uh, lost wages, lost work, all of those things that a lot of us never had cause to really think about before are right in front of our faces because of the coronavirus pandemic. We are talking with you about that, and we've got folks on hand here in the studio to help you figure these questions out, to figure out how to take advantage of the relief that the federal and state government have come up with for this pandemic. As always here, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. And joining us now to continue talking about all of these issues is Merrick Masters. He is the interim chair of the Department of Finance at Wayne State University's Mike Illich School of Business. Merrick Masters, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, thank you for having me. Good afternoon. And I, I want to start with you talking about this massive level of unemployment we're experiencing right now and what it means for our economy and our society, not just now, but in a few months when we try to go back to life as normal. I, I heard a, a stat that today that said we're at almost 25 percent unemployment here in the state of Michigan, an unfathomable number. That's got to have an effect that's going to be with us for a while. Uh, to put the numbers in perspective, in modern times, the highest rate of unemployment that we have had is 16.4 percent in 1982, mm -hmm. the fourth quarter of that year. And during the Great Recession in 2009, we had unemployment that peaked at about 14.4%. So you might say that this is an order of magnitude greater. And nationally, we're expected to have in the second quarter an unemployment rate of approximately 16%. It, couldn't be, it could be even higher than that. And we're expecting on an annualized basis the gross domestic product to decline 25%. It's estimated, uh, there was a recent study done by the University of Michigan economists that it will take us about until sometime in 2022, if everything goes well, 
um, to get back to where we were before the pandemic in terms of uh, gross national product and also in terms of unemployment at the levels that it was before. So it's a hardship for a vast number of people. If we weren't in a pandemic, um, we would be saying that we were on the verge of a depression. Mm. And we would be looking at stimulus measures um, even greater than what we've enacted so far to try and protect the workforce and protect businesses from an outright collapse. And, and one of the things I think we're starting to worry about is how much of the job loss itself could be permanent. In other words, how many people who've lost work are losing work from companies that may not survive this or losing jobs that just won't be able to come back because of finances on, on the other side. And, and that, of course, I think it portends for a very different problem that we could have for a much longer period. Yes, of time. It, it, there's a danger that the longer we have to shut down the economy, the more businesses will go out of business and they won't be able to rehire people or they won't be able to rehire people at a level that they previously did because they just won't have the capital to do so. Mm-hmm. There was one statistic that I saw that is of interest. The restaurant industry has been very hard hit by this. It has about 15 million skilled workers employed in it. And one study estimated that perhaps a third of the restaurants in the United States could go out of business as a result of this pandemic. Now, that is a a very, very sharp, dramatic curtailment of employment opportunities for many people. Uh, So I would like to see us do something as at a national level to try and avoid that, and perhaps this could be done in the fourth round of stimulus and do what they have done in some countries and have the government essentially come in and pick up the payroll to a very large extent of people. And that would obviate the need for large levels of unemployment compensation, and people have to call the unemployment office, file claims, and go through uh, the cumbersome task of doing that. If they were, if we were able to subsidize the employers and they could keep about 90% of their employees on the payroll, I think that would be a tremendous cushion to enable us to get through this without long-term permanent damage. Hmm. Again, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. Call and tell us about how you are getting through with uh, the record levels of joblessness, with uh, the unemployment and the new unemployment benefits that are available to give people some relief during the pandemic. Let's go to Tony in Plymouth. Tony. Welcome to Hi. the show. Hi. Thank you so much for taking my call and giving me the opportunity. I will try to be quick and swift with this. <laughs> sure. I want to thank Jeff and Merrick both for giving their time to help us all have a better understanding. And I'm going to reflect, Merrick, on Jeff's last caller, Pete. He pretty much asked my question about being self-employed and filing. Myself, the additional part of the question would be, I do not have an income that brings me to or above the 12200 single filers standard deduction. Therefore, I do not file income taxes. And how is that going to affect me with applying for unemployment? Hmm. Great question. Um, Well, um, you know, I'm not that familiar with all the details of what you maybe need to do to file for unemployment. So I would really encourage you to talk to somebody in the office and so they could give you an answer. (laughs) It's just it's just beyond my area of uh, of knowledge at this point in time. But but, and and Tony, yeah, yeah, Tony, if you hang on the line, I'll make sure that uh, that our producers uh, get in touch with you and get you in touch with Jeff Donofrio or or some someone else who can can Wonderful. really answer that question for you. I, I really appreciate the call though <clears throat> and the question. And and America yeah, I does. Mean, I, yeah. I really I, I I don't want to say anything that will give people the wrong information sure. and lead them down the right wrong path. Yeah, but I think this that's, this question about the gaps that exist in the system is a is a broader one and it really raises the question of whether the system itself was 
designed to deal with something quite this catastrophic? Well, the, the structure of the economy has changed, and she's sort of referring to sometimes what we call the gig economy. There are a number of people that are self-employed. They're freelancers. And unlike previous recessions that we've been in, this stimulus package did provide some help for those who are self-employed. So that is a step out of the ordinary. That is extra relief that's being provided because there are there are millions of people that fall into that category, mm-hmm. and many of them actually, you could also say that they could be classified as employees because they may be an independent contractor for a single employer and very dependent on that employer for income, but the employer obviously is cutting back, and you might think that the employer would very logically want to cut back on an independent contractor before it did its own employees. Uh, so uh, to provide some cushion for them is is very, very critical, and that's why something that you know provides for payroll that would include independent contractors as well as employees that would broaden the base of coverage. Um, there are large numbers of people that, you know, uh, domestic workers that are independent contractors, and they are predominantly women and people of color, and, you know, they have had a serious loss of income. And so we've got to find, when we go look into the future, a way to recalibrate our laws so that they can anticipate something like this happening again, and we don't have to go back and retroactively uh, refit the unemployment compensation system to meet the needs of today. Mm, yeah. Tony, I appreciate the call. Hang on the line, and we will make sure we try to get you hooked up with some resources to answer your question. Meanwhile, let's go to John in Harper Woods. John, welcome to the program. Yeah. Did Am I on the air? Or? You are. You absolutely are. Okay. Um my story, I'm just, I just want to be sure that I get the economic stimulus. I'm not anxious for how quick it comes. <clears throat> I filed taxes. I filed taxes for about 30 years, but I, I, for, eight, for 2018 and 2019, I filed both times. And both times I owed the federal government because I have self-employment tax hmm. and a small amount of income tax. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. And the only thing that I worry about is um, they. Uh, I I sent a check with an account number on it. I think it was. I. I yeah. I think I know what the account number is. Um, but I didn't. I didn't get um, direct deposit. I was always just worried about it, and I've never taken it. So. Um, What's your what's your question here, John? Okay, I question whether I'll get it because they, if my account, if they have any account number for me on file, would the IRS have any account number for me on I file? See. Yeah. Because I've never gotten a payment I see. by direct payment on on the state. I do pay. Right. And, right. And um, I don't. I just uh, write a check and put it. You know. Right. I think I think that uh I think I'm the answer not. to your question is probably yes that you would get a check but that's something you need to double check on with yeah, the I would, I would check with the Internal Revenue Service yeah. uh so that you can get a clarification on that that or if you have you know if you might have an accountant friend or somebody that you could talk to uh they would be able to give you a direct answer to that question. Yeah. John uh that's a, I think that's uh, a place that you could find that information pretty easily. But uh, but thanks again for the call and the question. Uh, let's go to Kinks in Willis. Is that right? Yes. Hi. How are you? Well, I could be better. Okay. Uh, so what I'm calling about is I'm a licensed builder here in Michigan, and I'm drawing Social Security, which is very minute, like less than a thousand a month. Social Security. I wanted to know would I be eligible for unemployment? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I don't because know I'm not that. an essential worker. I cannot work. Right, right. Uh, Kings, that's a great question, Merrick Masters. Well, I mean, I, I don't think you have to be an essential worker to be eligible for unemployment. 
Um, the question is whether or not you are an employee who would be covered by the system. Right. And I think that you would need to, you know, call the unemployment office and make certain that you are actually covered by the system. Yeah. Uh, so they would be able to answer your question directly. Yeah. You know, I, I also wonder, Merrick, about the the strain on the system, not just from from having to process all this, but from having to deal with all the questions. I mean, again, this is just all unprecedented. And well, I mean, you, you know, you look at it from this perspective. You went from having about um, <clears throat> maybe um, <clears throat> two hundred, three hundred thousand uh, claims filed a week to having six point six million in the system across the country. And in Michigan, the week before last week, you had 400,000 people file claims. This most recent week, you had about 220,000 people filed claims. They're all going to have questions like these because the rules have changed, the eligibility has changed, and just the sheer volume has increased exponentially. And the system isn't capable of handling that kind of influx. You really need to ramp up the ability of state and local governments to provide the personnel so that they can answer these questions in a timely way. I mean, I've heard horror stories about people trying to call for their unemployment uh, claims seven, eight, hundred, a thousand times a day and not being able to get through to the office. That's the kind of thing that's going to frustrate people, cause people's anxiety to rise, and lead nothing but to you know an adverse effect on them psychologically. But you know it takes a while to train people so that they're capable of answering those kinds of questions, so it doesn't happen overnight. Um, but clearly, we've got to have a capacity, or think about in going in the future, a way to ramp things up or to get information to people more quickly, because it's important to remember. Not everybody has access to modern technology. Right, right. And they may not be able to just turn on the Internet and get this information and read it, you know, and sign up uh, the electronic way. They may have to rely on more old-fashioned ways that uh, can move at a snail's pace in this kind of an environment. Mm. Uh, again, thanks for the call. And the questions, Merrick Masters, I wonder if you can talk a little about Organized labor, that's one of your areas of expertise. And talk about how unions are dealing with this and what this might mean for organized labor going forward. People lose their jobs. They are not able to pay dues and things like that. Well, I mean, it'll hit labor very hard. Uh, the dues collections will go down significantly. And the industries where you have a fairly significant percentage of union representation, such as manufacturing, have been hard hit by this and the hospitality industry. So those workers unable to pay dues that will affect the union's ability to finance their operations, to pay their own employees, and to service their members. So there's a compounding negative effect in that regard as well. But at the same time, unions still have the wherewithal to provide a voice for people in the workplace, and they can help them in terms of handling questions about unemployment. Most of them have people who are relatively expert on the subject matter that you can call and get help for and answer to questions like this that your viewers are calling in asking. Mm -hmm. They can also help you process claims. They can um, protect you in the workplace so that to make certain that if you are um, subject to uh, some kind of adverse treatment, you get an opportunity to at least grieve that decision and get a fair hearing. So union representation really provides an additional cushion and an additional layer of protection that your typical worker does not have in these kinds of trying times. Yeah, I mean, I really fear for the people who are just out of luck with their employers. Well, I mean, that, that's, you know, the harsh reality is is that most people are just out of luck and they're at, they're at the mercy of circumstances entirely beyond their control. We This begins to make people realize, I think, how really vulnerable they are mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and how little protection they have when things go bad. Yeah. Uh, the fact that you can have literally go from 3.2% unemployment to close to 20% or more unemployment 
uh, in a very short period of time. In under a month, right. Yes. Uh, Reveals the fact that, you know, people out there just do not have many protections. And the longer this goes on, I mean, we won't be looking at unemployment at 20%. We'll be looking at unemployment of 30%, maybe even higher than that. And we'll be going back to the Great Depression levels where um, you have an enormous amount of unemployment. And the more you have, the more depressing the effect is and the longer it takes to recover. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Don and Flat Rock, I've got about a minute left, but wanted to get you in here. Hello. Yep, go ahead, Don. All right. Listen, I've got an independent essential business, have plenty of work. But all my employees have left because they're afraid of getting sick. Hmm. How did? But they're filing for unemployment. Uh, right. Well. Right. And and they can get that because of the of the pandemic. But then that leaves your business kind of high and dry, right, Don? Leaves me high and dry. Can't get the work out, and they're sitting home drawing money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's one of the unfortunate realities that um, happen in these kinds of situations that uh, people of concern about their own health will will exercise their their independent judgment and, and make those kinds of decisions. And that's why what would be helpful to businesses like you is if you had some protection uh, so that you got your um, – uh, payroll supplemented so you could pay these employees um, or have somebody enabling you to pay these employees. You could uh, get a loan, sustain your own business. I mean, you're an important part of the equation as well. Well, and, I did well, put in for the disaster loan assistance, got an application number, uh-huh. but that's the last I've heard of them, yeah. and I can't continue to pay them. Yeah, Don, I, right, I, I hate to cut you off, but uh, we are... We are out of time. I do appreciate the call. 